Hello, and welcome back to Defending Fan Fiction, a podcast where we discuss what authors are thinking when they write that crappy fan fiction you speed read at 3 a.m. because you were lonely. Um, <laughs> my name is Jay Performance, and hopefully my audio quality is better. I finally let Audacity figure out how to use my Yeti microphone that cost me $200. And I also learned that you can turn the game down. Uh, this is my. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> okay. Um. So I was in a video call with my friends, and you know we took a break doing whatever we were doing, uh, playing D and D. If you're interested in D and D and live play podcasts, you can check us out at Roll Performance. That is R O L L Performance, I believe, not R O L E. Um, but we were taking a break to eat dinner and he got a salad and he was like, do you guys want me to eat the salad on high gain, like ASMR? And I was like, heck yeah. Cause you know, ASMR is a big, funny fun. And first of all, it cracked me up just the way he was saying words. Um, but also I didn't know that gain is what made things pick up on microphones. Um, I personally think they should call it sensitivity. Uh, but I have turned down the sensitivity of my mic. Let me l- let me turn it down a little bit more. Okay, that should be en- should, that should be enough. I'm learning how to use microphones, so I do apologize. But uh, thank you for all of your patience. This will be chapter five, um, and we've taken a great departure in the last two chapters, where we had more of a discussion rather than exploring any fan fiction, which is a real crying shame, if you ask me. So today. We're going to start immediately by reading some fan fiction. And I, in the, uh, in the effort of being completely transparent and not upsetting anyone unjustly, I will be reading the tags. So this is in the Adventure Zone podcast, uh, Taz Balance, if you're familiar with the fandom. Um, it's a very popular D&D podcast, uh, which is a perfect segue for me to plug my D&D podcast again. It's Roll Performance. I believe we're on Instagram, Twitter, and I believe that we've already got episodes out. I play a goblin with a Russian accent who shoots guns very, very well. Um, so if you want to give us a listen, that'd be excellent. But back to this fan fiction that I wrote. Uh, I actually quite like this fan fiction, but you know, a lot of... Um, there were a lot of things that people disliked, and I can understand. Well, not that's that's unfair. That's unfair. There was one person who said you should tag this, uh, which kind of spoils what we're talking about. Um, but let me go ahead and read the tags. So it's teen and up audience for language and depictions of violence. Archive warning: graphic depictions of violence. Categories: FM, Gen, MM, and multi. Fandom: The Adventure Zone podcast. Relationships, Kravitz Taco, The Adventure Zone, Angus McDonald, and Taco. There's an ampersand in between those, meaning that the relationship is platonic and not romantic. Then the director, Lucretia and Loop, Barry Blue Jeans Loop, Loop and Taco, The Adventure Zone. Again, this is with the ampersand. Um, And the characters are Taco, Loop, Kravitz, Barry, Angus, Merle, Magnus, the director, and the Voidfish. Additional tags, unrequited, unrequited love, family AU, modern AU, sci-fi, spoilers, adoption, graphic depictions of gore, personality disorders, self-harm, neglect, mentions of past neglect, paranoia, delusions, science fiction, science fiction and fantasy, transphobia. 
a lot of these tags are repetitive in order to kind of draw people in uh, if they're searching specific tags. Uh, so the first premiere date of this was February 26th, 2018. Ooh, that was when my life started falling apart. Whoops. All right, so we will start. This is called Missing Person Report. The summary says, Loop has a habit of disappearing. Taco is used to dealing with this. But what happens when it's not just Loop's free-natured spirit and actually the real deal? And what happens when she comes back, effectively disrupting Taco's rebuilt life? Chapter 1 Taco was stirring a pot of oatmeal in the kitchen, cut up fruit lying in a bowl on the counter. Neither of those things required more than one chemical change, just the way he liked it. Angus was likely upstairs sleeping, and maybe Kravitz was too. That assumption was disproven as the taller man came down and looped his toned arms around Taco's waist. You're up early. Oh jeez, get ready for some bad accents, y'all. He hummed, letting a lazy smile take over his face. I wanted to make breakfast. I wanted to make breakfast. You're up early too. He hummed. Uh, he shrugged. I have, I have work. Taco pouted and twisted around in his arms. Throwing his arms around Kravitz's neck, he spoke. Do you really have to go? He chuckled. There's no rest for the weary, huh? His pout grew. You mean there's no rest for a mortician? Leaning up, he kissed his boyfriend's cold lips. Be safe, okay? Kravitz grinned. What am I going to do that's dangerous? Taco shrugged. I don't know. You work with chemicals. Don't burn yourself or make chlorine gas or anything. He chuckled. Hey, I know you're being serious, but you could just as easily make chlorine gas here as I could with my professional chemicals. A playful pout fell off his face. Vinegar and bleach. He trailed off before looking back to Kravitz. Then you should tell me to be safe, too. Okay, be safe. He kissed him once more before pulling away from Taco. I'm off, then. He grabbed a handful of fruit from the bowl and laughed. Angus was up soon after that. He was rubbing his eyes, pushing up his glasses as he did so. Good morning, sir. Taco grinned at him. Ingo, it's been three months. Are you ever going to call me something other than sir? He gave a sheepish grin. Sheepish grin. I don't want to call you by your first name. My grandpa always said you should never call someone by their first name unless you're older than them or make more money. Fun fact, that is something my father told me growing up, so of course Angus was told that too. He rolled his eyes. Your grandpa was also a neglectful piece of shit who deserved to be- He cut himself off and grinned at the boy. He doesn't deserve a sweet like kid like you. Oatmeal? He held up the pot of now-cooked oatmeal as if that would distract the eight-year-old. Another editor's note, uh, this text says eight years old. Uh, I don't know why I chose to make Angus eight, because in the canon, he is ten years old. Um, and then he said, da, da, da. would distract the eight-year-old. He nodded, yes, sir, that would be great. Nodding, Taco served the boy breakfast. The rest of the morning went by well enough, and before he knew it, Angus was on the school bus and he was left alone. The rest of the day was uneventful until the boy came home. Only when he was sitting at the kitchen table, pretending to help Angus with his homework, thinking about how good life was, that things fell off the wall. It was only a phone call that did that. Normally, Taka wouldn't answer an unknown number, but he was feeling adventurous, or a bit manic, as some people would say. If it was a telemarketer, it would be fun to dick around with him. If it was a scam, he could hang it up and laugh it off. Either way, he answered it. 
Hello, this is the roadkill grill. You kill him, we grill him. Tell me, what did you run over? He grinned as he looked over at Angus, who was giggling. There was a soft laugh on the other side of the line before the woman spoke up, or before a woman. That's pretty cute, Taco. His voice faltered. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Taco? Uh, did I get the wrong number? Uh, he cleared his throat. <clears throat> no, no, this is Taco. May I ask who's calling? There was a pause. You don't recognize the voice of your own sister? Why did that go southern? Suddenly his chest felt tight. Loop? Another pause. Though this time when the woman spoke, her voice sounded happier, though still hesitant. Yeah, is this a good time to talk? Uh, he glanced over at Angus, who had occupied himself with his homework, but he undoubtedly was listening. I guess. I'm helping my kid with homework, but I suppose he can do it on his own. Kid? I didn't think that you were the type of person to get kids. He huffed. <laughs> and I didn't think you were the type of person to run off the grid. It's only been a few years. Seven isn't a few. So thanks for seven years where I seriously doubted my fucking sanity. What the fuck were you thinking, Loop? She audibly sucked in a breath. <laughs> Ouch. You have a kid in the room, right? Stop cussing. He's heard fucking worse. At that point... Fuck would be every other word he used. Just tell me what you were thinking. A half laugh, half cough came from Loop's end. <laughs> I don't know what you're asking. Yeah, you fucking do. Why didn't you tell me what you were doing? Because I didn't know if you could keep a secret. Taco huffed and turned. What do you mean I can't keep a secret? I didn't say that. But I dare you to name one secret you haven't told anyone. Well, I haven't told anyone that. Ooh, this is a fucking trick. He pulled the phone away from his ear and looked at Angus. Go finish your home in your room, okay, pumpkin? The young boy nodded. Okay, sir. Grabbing his papers, he scurried off. Once he was out of sight, Taco spoke again. I haven't told anyone about the deck you used to have, or that I have a fucking sister, for that matter. My fucking boyfriend and kid think I'm an only child. She opted to ignore the comment on her gender. Kate, well... That's your fault. You could have said something. No, I couldn't. Because any time I would mention it to Merle or Magnus, or even fucking Lucretia, they'd all just frown and change the subject like they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, maybe they thought I was fucking dead and didn't want to broach the topic of your dead sister. Well, you're not dead. By then, Taco had stood up and was pacing the room. You thought I was? You don't know that. I went months thinking you weren't dead. How could my sister die? She sighed. Listen, I only called because I missed you and I wanted you to know that I'm coming back to Huntington. Huntington. I didn't think you'd be so mad. You know what? It doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah? Well, you should have expected this. You don't think, don't think that I'll let you stay with me when you do finally fucking show back up. Had his phone been a landline, he would have slammed it down on the receiver. But seeing as it was a cell phone, not even a flip phone, he had to pull it away from his ear and hang it up on her angrily. Once he was alone with his thoughts, he was seething. It wasn't even that justifiable. Just something about that impulsive mood he was in, combined with the rage and hurt, led him to destruction. The first thing he did was throw his phone down on the ground and break it completely. The next closest object was a bookshelf sporting not only books, but also a vase or two. He picked up the first one and threw it in a beautiful arc. 
it landed with a decidedly unsatisfactory crash. It wasn't enough damage. Using all the strength granted to him by his adrenaline, he shoved his hands behind the shelf and pulled. It came down with a dull thud, accompanied by a flutter and scatter of all the books. It still wasn't enough. He brought his foot down through the back of the shelf, punching through the flimsy particle board that held it together. Stomping on past the shelf and through the room, he reached the kitchen. There, he flung open a drawer to grab a pair of scissors. Holding them with the blades as far apart as they could go, he stormed back to the living room where he had been pacing and drew the scissors across the pillows and cushions. When that wasn't enough force to cut them, he started stabbing and slashing each pillow individually. Then tossing the scissors aside, he ripped apart the pillows and threw out the stuffing. And on he went. It still wasn't enough! The chairs were thrown around, and one was probably broken, and the living room was absolutely dismantled. There were shards of pottery and dishes everywhere, but it wasn't enough. Picking up the discarded scissors, he held them as before, with the blades as far apart as they would go, effectively making a sharp edge that he held onto. This time, his grip was enough to raise weeping red lines across his right hand. Then, with the blade still in his hand, he plunged the tip into his left. It doesn't fucking matter, does it? With that, the internal monologue had effectively become words that he shouted as unbidden tears streamed down his cheeks and Kravitz walked in through the front door. It must have only been there, or it must have only been three in the afternoon, but there he was, standing in the door, staring at Taco, surrounded by his mess. Slowly, his dark eyes traveled to the scissors protruding from both sides of his hand. Taco's mind was running a mile a minute, before, but before either man could say anything, the blonde laid forward, throwing up a mouthful of bile. End chapter. So, um, as I alluded to earlier, oh, I apologize for the changing mic. Um, my computer hates recognizing my microphone, so it was like, no thank you, and decided to not connect, which was very fun for me. So I only recorded about five minutes with my Yeti, and um, so we're using my computer again, and I don't actually know how to change the gain on my computer microphone. Uh, hold on one second, let me actually check that out. Whatever. I don't know, actually. Woo! So... Uh, we're back to recording on my laptop microphone, so I, I, I do apologize. Um, but as I alluded to earlier in the prologue where I was reading the tags, um, this, this fanfiction was actually fairly well received, and I started writing it when my life was falling apart in spring of 2018. Um, I was having a lot of emotions, and when I have a lot of emotions, what I like to do were... What I like to used to do, since I don't write anymore, was I would like to um, write really... I mean, I suppose you wouldn't say that this is graphic. Uh, I, I do think that maybe the image of scissors sticking all the way through someone's hand is disturbing, uh, but this isn't necessarily the most graphic thing I've written. But I do like to write violent and destructive scenes when I have emotions, um, and I felt like Taco at this point was a good... Um, a good figurehead, you know? So I used him. Uh, previously, the transphobia tag was not on this fic, and it was well received despite that. Um, I actually got someone when I posted like the 20th chapter or something, I got someone who said, will you please tag this as transphobia? Because, you know, the taco talking about her genitals in the first chapter made me really uncomfortable and I can't get over that. 
And so instead of editing it out, I decided to leave that in because I felt the dialogue felt more natural and I added the transphobia tag. Um, I, I felt that it was probably a good enough reason to add the tag. I don't, that is the only transphobia mentioned. Um, so later on in this fic, I, I actually don't think this is published, but one of the appeals for, oh geez, that's going to be spoilers. Um, <laughs> so one of, one of the plot lines for an appeal on somebody's arrest was that the victim they identified as Loop was a cis female and not a trans female. And so like, cause even though Loop has transitioned, the bone structure is different, you know, with the pelvis bone being one notable example of this. Um, but so that was brought up. So I, I added the tag transphobia and briefly we're going to talk about, you know, um, tags. Uh, as I mentioned, Last chapter, I think, when we were going over my terrible hot takes about problematic fanfiction, we are fortunate enough to have a really good tag system and archive of our own. They use a, I can't remember what it's called, but they use a different tag system than a lot of other things. Like, for example, on Twitter, um, if I wanted to look up a tag, like, let's say, if I wanted to look up uh, sci-fi, then it would only pull up sci-fi. It would not pull up science fiction. It would not pull up science fiction and fantasy. But with Archive of Our Own, if I wanted to search sci-fi, it would pull up sci-fi, sci-fi and fantasy, science fiction, science fantasy, and it would bring up things that are mentioned in the notes and the summary, but not in the tags. But they would it would list it lower down on the relatability or the matching scale, because you know, you can sort the searches by relevance, I think, is what it's called. So that's kind of how Archive of Our Own's tag system works. Um, and I'm personally of the opinion that you are more than welcome to ask for tags. You know, on most of my works, I generally put, or at least now I do, on my alt account, I put ask to tag because, you know, I, I want people to be able to hide my works if, if they offend them. So there's that. Um, it's, I, I've seen this recently, actually, and I'm recording this on August 5th, 2020. Uh, hopefully most of the future chapters will be recorded today. Or in the next few days because I actually am having someone move in with me and I don't want to bug them by recording my weird stuff. So <laughs> uh, I, I think it's more, it's always appropriate and you're always allowed to ask for things to be tagged, especially if they're uncommon or if you feel weird, you're more than welcome to ask. Um, but it's also an acceptable answer by the creator of the content to say, no, I'm not going to tag that. Uh, there are a couple of reasons that someone might be like, no, I'm not going to tag that. I, I guess this is more related to um, works by other content creators, like on a, on a blog or something, or Twitter or whatever, where it's like, oh, you want me to tag frogs? This is a frog Twitter account. I'm not going to tag frogs because the, you, you really shouldn't be following me if you don't like frogs, you know? Or that's something that I'm not going to remember to tag because I tag it too often and I'd rather not stress myself out about doing something you're more than welcome to unfollow me though or no I already tag it with this you know I like I tag all frog pictures with amphibian and this you know also includes uh, like salamanders and oxalotl as well but you're welcome to tag or to block the tag amphibian I'm not going to tag frogs specifically because I can't tell if they're frogs or toads or something like that so I believe that it is always appropriate to ask for things to be tagged, but also always appropriate to deny a tagging. 
Um, and I think that, you know, like it's, some people might perceive it as rude, but then you're more than welcome to unfollow the person or to not read their fix, which is, you know, kind of informed consent. You know that they're not willing to tag the thing you want tagged. So you now have more information to make your decision with. Um, but like I said, this was, this was a fan fiction that was asked to be tagged as transphobia. Um, I myself am a, well, I, by technical standards, I'm technically trans. I feel weird calling myself trans because I don't necessarily feel a need to transition. Um, I'd love to be more androgynous, but you know, I just, it's not in the cards for me. But um, a lot of my non-binary friends have said, you know, you're still trans even if you don't plan on transitioning. Trans just means that you're not comfortable with your assigned gender at birth, which I'm not. So, uh, but, you know, me being trans doesn't necessarily mean that I'm incapable of transphobia. Um, and my experience with dysphoria and, you know, transitioning does not speak for everyone's experience. So while I didn't particularly see mentioning Loop's genitals and the fact that she had uh, had surgery was necessarily transphobic, other people might have because it would have, you know, sparked their dysphoria or made them feel like Taka was being antagonistic to her for her gender. Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of useless now, but I don't think he was being antagonistic. I think he was antagonistic like, listen, I'm, I'm not outing you to anyone. That's... And, and some people would be like, well, that's the bare minimum to not out someone, but at the very least, he could he could not out her and, you know, I don't know. So I tagged it as transphobia, and ever since that, a lot of my, a lot of my likes and kudos and whatever have gone down because people will see the transphobia tag and be like, I don't want to read anything with transphobia. Though it should be mentioned that the only chapter with anything close to transphobia, in my opinion, is the first chapter. So I've considered changing it to light transphobia, but like, transphobia is transphobia, you know? Same as racism is racism. Bigotry is bigotry. Wow. We're 20 minutes in and my audio quality is still poop. Wow. What a wonderful world we live in. How do you, okay, so let's talk about some decisions that were made in this first chapter. One, the decision to have them be based in Huntington. Um, the, oh gosh, I don't know if you can hear my dog, but he's here. Uh, the decision to have them in Huntington. Uh, the McElroy brothers who produced this fan fiction were started in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, so I thought that if I were to take this out of the traditional fantasy setting, that I would want to put them there. I could have very well just, like, said, oh, wow, uh, they're part of a city that, oh, my goodness, it's raining outside. You love to see it, folks, because it's going to be terrible for my audio. My audio is already terrible. Um, but I, I guess I could have put them in, I don't know where they start. Faerun. They could have put them in Faerun, but I didn't feel like, you know, making up a, a city name. And I thought that, um, I thought that it was, it was nice to put them in Huntington. Uh, the decision to make Angus eight. I don't know. Maybe I just assumed that he was eight years old, but I think he's 10 or 11 in canon. No, I know that he's, he was 10 for most of the canon show. 
but after a certain live show he turned 11 and I know this because I looked at the Wikipedia because I was like why is he 8 in this and to be honest he should have been 10 because you know when you're you're 10 or 11 you have a little bit more independence and whatever you're still like a baby but you know more independence so I wish that I had made him 10 um there are a couple of awkward sentences in here and there should be more uh, punctuation between clauses and phrases um, but that's mostly editing. Um, I wish I put a more, I put more, I should have put more italicies when he was going through his rampage where, where it says like it still wasn't enough. That was written as very flat. And while I think it does give a different effect to read it as very flat and it might, you know, be another chilling kind of haunting effect, I wish that I put italicies in there to make it seem more intense and dramatic. Um, kind of, I wish that I had put more description on the gore of him stabbing through his hand. You know, described as, as the adrenaline wore off, he could feel that his tendons were pushed aside and bones shatter under the force of the blunt object going through his palms. Like Christ putting himself on the cross, he pierced his hand. So that would have been cool. Um, I do like the line raised weeping red lines and I'm sure that I've used that elsewhere but I do like describing like just the little scrapes as weeping lines or like little raised lines because they're not actual I mean I guess they are wounds I'm not a doctor they might be classified as wounds but I, I kind of like calling them weeping you know it, it kind of adds to the to the theme um there was another line in there that I kind of liked but I don't remember what it was um, I feel like the beginning was kind of forced. Um, yeah, it was kind of stiff and forced, but it kind of sets the mode for the suburban life that Taco now leads, where it's stiff and a little bit forced because he's not allowed to talk about his past or his, you know, mental health issues. Um, and it's mundane and it's boring. Because that's kind of what life is sometimes. And, you know, there's a little bit forced exposition where it's like, oh, there's no rest for mortician. And, oh, I can make chlorine gas with vinegar and bleach. Where it's kind of a little bit unnatural and unorganic. But, you know, that's okay. Um, I, I don't know how else I would introduce that, that concept. I mean, I guess I would have left it. Um, you know, always give more credits to your reader than you think that they are due. Uh, they can infer things, especially since uh, with fanfiction you're all working from the same base understanding for most of the part. For, for the most part, I meant to say, for the most part most of you are working with the same base knowledge. All of you have consumed the same base media and although you might have different interpretations, remember different parts differently, uh, you still have that base assumption. So if I had left that out and just continued with the story um, and gotten to the flashback of taco taco being accused of murder then I think it would have flowed a lot more naturally um but I wanted to make sure that this episode got to a certain length because I was still of the mindset that it wanted to be, I wanted it to be like 2500 words a chapter or something uh I don't even how know how long the first chapter is but whatever um, this is, this is a dossier style fan fiction, which I actually really kind of like. Um, 
I wrote this a lot during 2018 and 2019 when I was going through some really rough times. This is kind of a, a thing that I went to. Um, no, so... Oh geez, I really like this fanfiction. Um, since we're only at about 25 minutes, I guess we're going to continue reading. Uh, I, I guess I might just pick and choose what I want to go through because we talked about the tag system and the updating of tags and you know kind of the culture around that um, so and, and you know like I said the last few chapters we haven't done a lot of fan fiction reading so let me pause take a quick sip of my water and we will continue picking and choosing chapters okay and I'm back so we're going to read chapter three next and this one should be considerably shorter Let's go. Transcript from the case of Taco Taco versus Barry Blue Jeans, Hallwinter, concerning the disappearance and possible murder of Luke Taco. Ryan Roller, counsel. Can you state your name and occupation for the court? Taco Taco. Uh, my name is Taco Taco. You know, from TV. I'm currently a host for a show on the Food Network. It's called Sizzling It Up with Taco. The defendant winks and a few people in the audience yell out. All right, Mr. Taco, what is your relation to the plaintiff? Uh, no relation. We worked together, and he was going to be my brother-in-law, but it fell through. But you know him, correct? Uh, yeah. We were actually co-workers on a few things before he started dating my sister. Can you tell me what kind of man Barry is? Defendant rolled his eyes and leans back in the chair on the stand. Professionally, he's a hard-working man who doesn't stop until he's a solution, and he's a creative thinker. He was polite when we worked together, but if not a bit gruff. Personally... I think he's a spineless coward who's too self-absorbed and an absolute dick. Can you tell me why you think that is? Yeah, he comes in here fucking accusing me of killing my sister, who I loved more than his white ass ever did. Sir, calm down. What can you tell me about Loop? The defendant shrugs. She's a fun-loving person who's a little impulsive and she won't admit it. But she has an inherent mistrust for most people. In fact, I'd say I'm the one of the few people she trusts. And the only one that she trusts fully. Thank you, Mr. Taco. Can you tell me about the last day you saw Loop? Fuck, I don't know. It was maybe three months ago. I was beginning... It was the beginning of the month, maybe the third or fourth. And then late fall, I remember because I was going to give her until the end of the month before I filed a missing persons report after not seeing her. And I was worried about the weather turning bad. Back then, we still shared an apartment and she was going out to spend time with Barry, her fiancé. I told her to text me when she got there, but I never got the text. Mr. Taco, you don't seem very upset about the disappearance of your sister. The defendant gives a shrug. That's not a question, my dude. I don't have to say shit. Alright. Will you tell me why you don't seem concerned about the disappearance and possible murder of your sister? I don't know. Why are you still hung up on it being a murder? She probably is not even dead. Lupe's just like that. So I guess that's why I'm not sad. Are you aware that your sister's body was found? I- No. I thought Beryl was just accusing me of this for fun. I'm sorry I had to find out this way. You said you and your sister worked together. Yeah, we both worked on a spaceship building. It sounds stupid, but I was the chemist and she was the postmortem biologist and ignition specialist. So you two didn't work in the same field? No, but we did go to school together and then graduate together. But you wouldn't advance in your career if she were out of the way? 
No, absolutely not. I actually changed careers after that. I have an affinity for cooking and, well, no more questions. And then, let's see. And then chapter three, or chapter four, they go to the emergency room because Taco has scissors sticking out of his hand. And they, Taco and Kravitz, they being they, they have a conversation. Chapter five. Transcript from the case of Taco Taco versus Barry Blue Jeans Hallwinter concerning the disappearance and possible murder of Luke Luke Taco. Ryan Roller, counsel. Mr. Hallwinter, Barry Hallwinter. Please, if you're gonna call me Mr. Anything, call me Mr. Blue Jeans. Plaintiff gives a nervous chuckle. Counsel looks irritated. That is not your legal name. As I was saying, Mr. Hallwinter, what is your occupation? Uh, until recently, I was employed by NASA, specifically a branch called the IPRE, which is the Institute of Planetary Research and Exploration. I was uh, a scientist on the team. I focused in biology, uh, more specifically postmortem and xenobiology. But that group was disbanded, and I'm currently a freelancer. So unemployed. I, I guess you could say that. So, as an unemployed man, or freelancer, you have a lot of time on your hands, correct? Well, actually, I'm working on some stop motion. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, that is a reference to Parks and Rec when Ben is laid off and he's like, Well, I'm, I'm not unemployed, I'm just doing my own thing. Could a depressed person do this? So, Barry is the Ben of this universe. I'm working a lot on stop motion. It's been what's comforted me since my fiancé is... But that's not an obligation. You have more free time than Mr. Taco does, correct? Wait, are you trying to say that I'm the one behind Loop's death? Answer the question, Mr. Hullwinter. Plaintiff sighs. Yes, I guess I do. Can you remind us the last day you saw Miss Taco? Uh, yeah. It was indeed the 3rd of November, and she showed up at my apartment. She had the key, so she just walked in, and I said hi. We kissed, and then she said she wanted to go on a hike. She really loved nature, so it made sense. She asked me to join her, but I said no. Uh, I'm not the fittest and I don't like nature, so I said no. She gave me her engagement ring just so she wouldn't lose it, since she's a bit too active at times, and then she walked out. It's fitting, I guess, I, that her last words to me were, goodbye, I love you. The plaintiff is teary-eyed. Do you have any way to remember your fiancé? Uh, yeah. Plaintiff sniffle, sniffles, but pulls out a chain with a woman's ring on it. Continued. Like I said, she gave me this before she left. And you were the one to find the body, right? Uh, yeah, she told me where she was hiking, and I looked all over that area for the past two months. You didn't look earlier? Well, like Taco said, she disappears a lot. Not even longer, not ever longer than a month, but usually a week. So I wasn't concerned too much. The coroner's report said that you were the one to find the body and even helped with the autopsy. Yeah, I know some postmortem biology, so I helped out. So you notice the chemical burns and acid marks on the body. Would you say you're capable of creating and handling chemicals that would create such an effect? I guess, but chemistry isn't my specialty. But you could do it. And you saw and were intimate with the body. As such, did you notice the engagement ring on the left hand of the corpse? N no, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Counsel holds up a picture, showing it to the jury and to the plaintiff. It is of the corpse, and there is a ring on the left hand. Okay, but like... That's not the ring I bought her. Isn't it? Isn't it possible you bought a replacement ring as a red herring after forgetting about the original? This is answer the question, Mr. Hallwinter. I guess, yeah. Final question. You had motive to kill Loop, right? I don't know what you mean. 
Miss Taco was also a post-mortem specialist, right? And you two were working on the same project at the IPRE, right? If she died, you would have been made the only specialist on the team and guaranteed a spot on the mission, correct? Yeah, but no more questions. And Defendant Taco Taco stands up from his spot. Yeah, you fucking do have more questions. Ask him if he actually loved my sister. Ask him if he's a coward. Ask him what the fuck is his deal. Judge bangs her gavel and issues a five-minute recess. Chapter 6. A transcription from the case of Taco Taco versus Barry Blue Jeans Hall Winter concerning the disappearance and possible murder of Loop Taco. Stefan O'Kelley, counsel. You said that you were unaware of the coroner's report made of the corpse found, correct? Taco Taco. That's accurate. I haven't seen it. Well, in that case, could you please read the highlighted section of this report? Counsel hands defendant several pieces of paper. A highlighted paper is on top. Corpse is believed to be the body of Luke Taco as it matches the height and description listed on the missing person report filed three months ago. Body sustained light abrasions, but no stab marks were found on the bone or tissue. The face and most neck and arm skin are burned via chemical or acid. Chunks of hair missing and body unrecognizable except for measurements and remaining pink-tipped hair. Did you catch that? Acid and chemical burns. You're a chemist, Mr. Taco. I'm sure you're perfectly capable of creating such burns, are you not? I am, but I wouldn't. But you could, without burning yourself or leaving any other harm? I guess. Mr. Taco, can you tell me about your relationship with your sister? There's not much to say, really. I mean, we were siblings and she was my best friend. Can I get a little more, please? Where did you two, where did you two stand in terms of trust? I trusted her, and I'm pretty damn sure she trusted me. We told each other everything. So you told her when you were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, histronic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and psychosis? I mean, yes, I did tell her, but not all of those diagnoses are accurate. Oh? Can you tell me which ones are accurate and which ones aren't? Definitely NPD is inaccurate. I'm narcissistic, but I don't have a personality disorder. Same with histronic. I don't show all the traits to be have actual BPD, just like the others. If anything in that list is accurate, it's probably psychosis, but very mild. Why does this matter? I'll ask the questions, thank you. What makes you qualified to say which disorders you do and don't have? I'm not qualified, which is why it's stupid that you're asking me instead of a mental health specialist, or even better yet, my therapist. So you're seeing a therapist? Not regularly, but Loop wanted me to go. And why would she want you to do that? Defendant shrugs. She wanted a lot of weird things, like to marry fucking Beryl over there. Aside from that, would it be safe to say that, you, that she saw you displaying concerning behaviors and traits that you wanted that and wanted you to get help for them? I guess. And what might those traits be? Defendant sighs and rolls eyes. Night terrors, persecution, blah, 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 blah. I can't speak. Let me start over. Night terrors, persecutory delusions, inflated sense of self-worth, low empathy, low emotional responses other than anger, trouble creating meaningful relationships, acting and dressing in eccentric ways, wanting to be the center of attention, cleptic episodes, manic episodes, low impulse control, and so forth. And this is your understanding of yourself? No, 
I'm just spitting back what I've been told and what mental health specialists would tell you. If I had to describe myself, I'd say I'm rightfully full of myself and eccentric. Maybe I'm not a good person, but I'm not crazy. In fact, I'd say that's what makes me exciting. Alright. Have you ever been convicted or arrested of a crime relating to any of these traits? No. Can we stop talking about my traits? Defendant used air quotes around the word traits. Alright, let's talk about your sister. Have you ever showed violent tendencies towards her? No, she's my best friend and favorite person, and I've never been violent or really hostile towards her. I would never hurt her. You and your sister never received formal education, did you? A few years of elementary school, but other than that, not really. We did attend university, though. And how did you manage that? We both got full red scholarships after completing a placement test that exited in place of GED. And you must have gotten high scores for that. We did. But it says here that your sister got higher scores than you. You knew, correct? And did you harbor any negative feelings against her for this? I knew, but I didn't. And I still don't hold anything against her. Or harbor any negative feelings against her. Were there any other instances in your life that might have made you feel inadequate when compared to your sister? No. You say this, but a common occurring theme in the disorders you may or may not have is a feeling of inadequacy, even if masked by narcissism. Is it possible that you feel this way when compared to your sister, even if you won't admit it to yourself? I mean, it's possible, but I don't feel like that. Well, isn't it true that with your sister out of the way, no one would be able to make you feel inadequate ever again? Or that you could have killed her out of blind anger at her for being better? No. I'm not answering any further questions. Um, so let's just talk about some of the choices in here. Um, it's interesting what things I decided to translate into real life and which ones I decided to keep as fantasy? I don't know. I think the chemistry is pretty good. Xenobiology, that's um, postmortem biology. I don't know why they need a postmortem biologist on a space mission, but they had two of them. Uh, Lube was technically the ignition specialist because of the pyromancy. Um, again, there's me projecting onto Taco with mental health. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, Barry, I made him weaker than he was in canon, but you know that happens. And yeah, I I really want to get to the part that I'm excited about. And now we're currently a little over 40 minutes in, so we got 20 minutes left in this chapter. Um, so mostly what we're reading is the backlogs. So the way I did it is that I had the current plotline going on where Loop reappears and um, the kind of ongoing stuff with that. And then I have these flashes to the past where, you know, we're talking about, and I just, to, to kind of give the backstory without having to write it all out. And I really do enjoy this style of storytelling. So let's continue. Chapter eight, transcription from the breaking news report on August, 2011. Taco, re reporter. Taco, a Food Network's hit show, Sizzling It Up with Taco, was just about to start his sixth year recording when tragedy struck. Two days ago, in the quiet town of Glamour Springs, the food truck that serves as the backdrop for the show visited, and when it left, death replaced it. Reports say that there are currently 30 dead, and the hospitals are overrun with ill patients. Arsenic is suspected to be in play, probably from the food that was served out of the truck. 
The authorities set out a nationwide manhunt for the chemist turned chef and found him two states over, alone with his food truck. Immediately, the man was taken into custody and he is currently pleading guilty in court, though his lawyer is pushing for manslaughter instead of first or second degree murder. The case of Taco Taco versus the town of Glamour Springs is underway and is public. If you want to go see the celebrity gets what's coming, you can find the scene at the LA City Courthouse, but the trial will be filmed and publicized. Second reporter. Now, Natalie, it is to my understanding that this is not the first time Mr. Taco has been to court. Natalie, you're absolutely right, Jared. It has been disclosed to us via his public arrest record that six years ago, he was arrested for the murder of his sister, who disappeared three months prior. Jared, I was unaware that he even had a sister. It seems that he keeps that information private. It seems unlikely that someone so bold as he would do that. What do we know about his sister? Natalie, not much, Jared. She was 21 at the time of her disappearance, and her corpse was found on a hiking trail behind their shared apartment with her brother. Jared, that's not a very secure place to keep a corpse. <laughs> so, what was the verdict? Well, he didn't stop filming Sizzling It Up with Taco then, so I don't think he was convicted. In fact, when I looked into it, it seems that his brother-in-law, the husband of his sister, was convicted for murdering his wife. He is currently serving a life sentence in Huntington, West Virginia, Taco's hometown. Jared, this is all very interesting, Natalie, but I think there's only one question on the mind of all our viewers, and that is, why didn't we know about this trial before? Natalie, well, Jared, it's because he was not famous then. Apparently, a small group of his fans knew, but because it was his first year producing the show, it was not explicitly publicized. If it had been, I'm sure the show wouldn't have continued. In fact, I hear that Food Network is going to shut down his show as it is and throw out the footage that the cameraman took. Jared, it's just bad publicity. I don't blame them. Natalie, well, there is some solace for the diehard fans of Mr. Taco, and that is that uh, is he has six seasons still up, though you might be hard-pressed to find these episodes. Rumor has it that Food Network will even be taking down the episodes from the rerun list. This may be it for Taco Taco, the man who stole everyone's hearts. Ellipses. Natalie, well, it was a long week, but the case of Taco Taco versus the, versus the town of Glamour Springs has finally ended. Jared, that's right, Natalie. I know we did extension coverage of this would-be celebrity, but can you give us a few highlights from the case, just in case anyone couldn't make it to the courthouse? Natalie, well, I think the biggest news on everyone's mind is that Taco is gay. Well, he did plead guilty for the first half, on the third day, he accused Cezette, the only crewman who worked with him on the truck. As many fans know, Cezette has been steadily making his way up to co-host over the past year. But this Thursday, Taco said, and I quote, My bastard boyfriend, Cezette, is probably just setting me up. The fun thing about this was that Cezette was nowhere to be found when Taco was arrested and refused to come in and testify. I wonder how he keep this under wraps for years and why he just now is bringing it to light. Jared, I suppose he just wanted to give the network another reason not to air him ever again. Natalie. Well, whatever reason, no one saw it coming. Cezette never seemed like the type of person he would fall for. But there are, there are already fans writing extensive analyses about this relationship. You can find them on Taco's fan forum. Natalie, you read the fan forums? 
Natalie. Well, Jared, we have a job to do. The other piece of news fans will be thrilled to hear about is that Taco Taco is not in jail. The jury did convict him of manslaughter of 30 people, but the only punishment is the revocation of his chemistry doctorate, his food handling and all subsequent food handling permits, and a $30 million payout to the town of Glamour Springs. That's not all, Natalie. It's not. No, rumor has it that Taco will be making a return trip to Glamour Springs to personally apologize to the victims' families. He will also be attending the funerals of these people. I suspect he will be booed out before that happens. Natalie, you're probably right, Jared. Everyone's favorite chef has now become everyone's favorite to hate. But that's all we have on Taco Taco's case. Coming up next is a cover story of the president's new policy. Catch that right after this break. Uh, fun fact, I don't actually know how court proceedings go. I played Ace Attorney. So, somebody pointed out in the comments that you cannot revoke a doctorate, but you also can't have jellyfish that eat people's memories, but that happens in this fanfiction too. Um, oh jeez. This is the worst chapter, and I'm gonna read it for all of you. This is a page from Taco's Fan Forum, Taco's Taquitos. Please note that I will be intentionally reading out every single spelling error. Post by XX Super Taco Fan Ran XX. Taco, our real life gay. So, I'm sure we were all shocked at the big news of the trial. And if you weren't watching 24-7, then get the fuck out of here. And none of us are more surprised than I am. My face when I heard that he said he was a real-life gay. Oh, I wish I could just glomp him and tell him it's all okay and that we still love him, ooh -oh. If you've been following my activity, then you should know that I've been a huge fan since his debut, and I'm actually one of those real-life fans. There was just something about his presence in those early shows that was amazing and drew me, as well as all of you, in. But I don't need to get into that right now. I actually have several posts about him and his amazing personality. Zero underscore zero. Anyway, my point is that the, letter epi the later episodes in his shows were not as good as we, and we all know why. Say Zed. That little bitch got me fucked up. I'm a fighter bitch if I ever see him. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is that Say Zed is a big bitch and we all hate him. He has a terrible personality and would never get along with our little cinnamon roll taco. Listen, I'm a huge advocate for gay rights, and I've been a total hardcore yowie shipper since I was born practically. So I know my gaybies and my yowie ships, and this is not a good pate. Taco is a bottom. We all know this. We've had 12 page long threads about his positions as a verse or a power bottom. I'm still team power bottom BT dubs. And Cezad clearly is not the type of person who could dom our sweetie Taco if his life depended on it. I mean, for one, in the exclusive interview that airs one year ago, he said, and I quote, I would believe it if Taco told me he hung the moon. He's basically a pathetic blind follower of Taco. I mean, I am too, but that's okay. I can be trash. Less than, period, greater than, or greater than, less than. Second, he just gave off a really skeevy vibe, like he was trying to steal the limelight from Taco, and that is an unforgivable thing to do. And he visibly got hostile towards Taco when things didn't go his way. Like, maybe a court wouldn't recognize that, but the glimmer of love that will never go out in our eyes went out of his, and smile faltered, and his body language got hostile. I think we just 
I think he was just using Taco to get famous instead of loving him from the side. Honestly, if we're going to go all the way, I'd even say that Seizet set up our Taco to make it seem like he committed those murders. Like, the only supporting evidence that our Lord and Savior Taco did those crimes with that was that he's the chemist and didn't eat the food before he tasted it. Like... He went six years without having a whole ordeal like this happening. Why should he be concerned that his food is safe? Besides, it was probably Seizet trying to kill Taco with the poisoned food and getting him convicted for the whole thing was just a bonus. Listen, I know this sounds crazy, but why else would Seizet refuse to testify? I'm just saying that Taco is innocent and Seizet can bite my ass. Lil Taquito 69 replies, 30 real life people are dead, Ren. Deactivated 29593094 replied, Oh no, those poor live people are dead. Little Taquito69 says, Shut up, you know what I meant, dickweed. And then there's some more plot. I don't, I'm not telling you what's going to happen in the overworld because I do want to keep reading these backlogs now that we're 50 minutes in. Um, there's one more that I want to read and I got to find it real quick. Okay. Oh, this one's actually pretty funny. Chapter 13. A chain of emails between management of the company formerly known as the Bureau of Balance and the employees. 2. L. Miller at bob.net. m.hightower.highchurch at religionman.net. Taco from TV at foodnetwork.net. Burnsides at scamlikely.org. Kilgore's crossbow country at mail.com. Carries a lot at email.edu. Yo yo johan at email.org. av.crossfit at email.edu. Garfield, the deals warlock at costco.co.uk, boyland at email.com, no3113 at binary.com, magicbrian at spiders.org, and 30 others. From L. Lucretia, the director at bob.net. B-O-B Subject Bureaus disbanding. Dear all, I wanted to address the issue that the Bureau is dissolving. Yes, it most definitely is being disbanded, though not because of financial difficulties or being bought out. Rather, there is no need for this company anymore. I understand that this will put a lot of you out of work, but rest assured that you will be compensated and that I will be a reference for each and every one of you. If you need help finding another source of employment, I would be happy to help you look and find you something that you will find fulfilling. The last day of employment will be in 30 days and the campus will be dismantled starting today. Do not be alarmed by this action and feel free to stop coming into work if you find it unnecessary. Still, I feel forward, I look forward to working with many of you again in the future. Signed, that Madam Director. Then a response from L. Miller at bob.net. Subject, this year's Midsummer's Night Festival. It has come to my attention that several of you are anticipating a repeat of last year's festivals, though without all the horrors that were presented to us nearly 360 days ago. I can assure you that none of the aforementioned horrors will befall us. However, this festival will not be repeated. As all of you know, this company is shutting down. And as such, the campus will be disassembled and there will be little chance to hold a festival. Furthermore, there is no one to bill for the frivolous spending associated with holding such a festival. This being said, you are allowed to party with each other and claim it is a company party, but we will not be funding it. Thanks, L. Miller. Carbon Copy, Lucretia the, dire <laughs> Lucretia the Director at BOB.net, Brad Bradson at Mail.net, from Kilgore, Kilgore Crossbow Country at Mail. Subject, read this year's Midsummers. Dot, dot, dot. Hey, fuckhead, this isn't really your choice. Like, you're not even in charge of, like, 
anything? Can you fuck off before I come down to your shitty office and punch your nose in? And don't even bother reporting me to Brad this time. I already have him and Madam Director on the CC list. Here's an idea. Why don't you use your mommy's money to find our festival and hold off on tearing apart the quad until I've eaten my fried unicorn dick and kiss my wife dressed like her favorite anime girl? Like, we're all gonna be out of a job soon anyway. Why not let us have some goddamn fun before unemployment? Fuck man, why are you so mean and whiny? Go fuck yourself, Killian. From Taco from TV at foodnetwork.net. Re this year's Midsummers. Hey Dingus, we all know you're not Lucretia. Like IDKYTF, you keep email address. You keep that email address and keep sending your shit like you were Lucretia. We get it. Lucretia's your stepmom, or at least you want her to be. Yeah, everyone knows you have a weird mommy complex ever since your real mom died. Harsh, maybe, but you're fucking telling me that I what I can and can't do and where I can or can't party? You're not in charge, Lukey Luke, so fuck the fuck off or I'll have Killian squash you between your competent thighs. Love, Taco Taco from TV. P.S. Don't complain to me about Brad, it won't help. What's he gonna do? Fire me? And then it's the two email list again from L. Lucretia, the director at BOB.network. Re mids or subject Midsummer's Night Festival. Dear all, it has come to my attention that several of you are concerned about the state of this year's festival. While the campus is being dismantled post haste, we will still have the festival as many of you requested. I will be funding it, so please stop demanding that Lucas be the one to pay for everyone's fried unicorn parts. On that note, we will be hiring the same friars fry artists that we had last year. In addition to all the same traditions and attractions we had, uh, we've all loved and for the past several years. We will have an open bar and a puppy pit. Yes, I know there will finally be more dogs on the moon. Except not, because they would run off the damn thing and it won't be around for much longer. Seeing as the campus is being dismantled, we will be having this year's festival in the city. I have already set reservations for a large park. Feel free to bring your families and friends and other loved ones. There is no longer an exclusive event due to the dismantling of this company. Consider the festival your last day of work as um, last day of work for all of you as it will be included in your pay but nothing else after. I look forward to seeing all of your costumes and please stop emailing Lucas. He's sensitive. Signed, the Madam Director. Okay, we're coming up on 60 minutes but there's one last scene I really want to read. Let me see if I can find it. Um, so still not reading the main storyline. Here is chapter 18. It's kind of backstory. Uh, sorry if this is going to be a long chapter that talks about nothing but my fanfiction. Alright. To t.kravitz at mail.com from ravenmortuaries at mail.com. Subject. Glamour Springs. Kravitz, I don't know if you've heard, but there has been a tragic outbreak of arsenic poisoning in Glamour Springs. It is a small town up north. Because they are so small, they don't have a lot of resources to deal with 30 deceased persons, especially since it is to my understanding that the mortician up there is recovering from poisoning himself. Think you could drive up there and provide some support in dealing with the corpses? I'd appreciate it. Raven Q. I'd like to note um, that I watch a lot of mortuary and mortician YouTube. Specifically one, you know, Ask a Mortician. She's really good. So most of what I wrote the mortician was based on her content. Um, we love you, Katie. I think that's her name. I'm so such a bad fan. Continuing. It had started with one email from his boss, and then a five-hour drive in his sleek black car. So how did it end up with him sitting in the driver's seat with this mass murder in his passenger seat, holding onto a disposable coffee cup but never taking a sip? 
Well, he knew exactly how this had happened in practicality. The would-be celebrity was given a bodyguard, courtesy of the district's attorney office, but the man had needed a break from trying to stop the townspeople from hurling trash at the blonde. So he told Kravitz, the man that the citizens thanked with tears in his eyes, to stick next to him in hopes that they'd counter out each other. Neither man had said anything for the past 20 minutes. They just went through the drive through of a Starbucks and called it a day. Eventually, it was Kravitz who spoke up, his morbid curiosity getting the better of him. Wasn't that how he ended up in mortuary school instead of in a conductor's class? What'd you do it? It took a second for the slight man to respond in any form. He took a sip from the coffee and grimaced at how cold it had gotten. His voice was hoarse when he did answer. I didn't mean to. Kravitz snorted and rolled his eyes. How can you not mean to poison a town? He sighed. I've made the recipe a thousand times. Never once did I mess it up. Not even when I was just starting out and not careful. I've made it a fucking million times. But just once. Just once I mess up. Take another sip of coffee. This coffee fucking sucks. Kravitz hummed and looked out the window. I wouldn't know. I don't drink coffee. The two fell silent for another ten minutes before Taco broke at this time. Do you think that I'm a monster? This time it was Kravitz's turn to sigh and pause. I think you should be in prison for life or you can never hurt anyone else. Same. That caused the mortician to pause and look at the man, noticing he had finally taken off his gaudy sunglasses to rub at his bloodshot eyes. Then why aren't you in prison? He shrugged. It wouldn't do anyone good. I mean, sure, I wouldn't hurt anyone anymore, but like, it's not going to do anything. Paying an absurd amount of money is for the best. I can pay for the expensive funerals and try to help grieving families and pay for medical relief they all need. I can help. I'm really sorry, I genuinely am. Most people would just pay because it's easier, but I want to help. As I followed. That's one thing they don't tell you about being rich. Most don't reply to you the same. You just pay your way out and say sorry, like Martha Stewart. She interviewed with the with the law on a fucking federal level, didn't she? And she got piled up in a nice cushy prison for a few months or some shit. Had it been anyone else, they would have just disappeared. Where'd Uncle go? Oh, he went to Guantanamo Bay for long to the FBI. But we just have to pretend he doesn't exist anymore. Now hush to me, the CSA's listening. He rolled his eyes and down the last of his coffee. Clever. Kravitz let out a soft O oh, before trying to fall back into the less comfortable silence. But Taco wasn't having it. You're allowed to hate me still. I didn't say, no, you didn't say you hated me. But you thought I was a monster who deserved to be in prison. And you're still right. I killed 30 people. I'm still a monster, even if I don't, even if I feel regret. He was silent for a second. You're not a monster, Toko. You're a human, and it was a mistake. Pretty fucking big mistake. Um, yeah, so that is where we're gonna end today's chapter. Um, we didn't really get into much of the sci-fi stuff, but there are robots and jellyfish that eat memories and science and space travel and aliens a little bit. Um, there are some other really good bits in here. Um, <laughs> because I'm a dumbass bitch, I might try to get one of my friends to video call me and we can talk about some other chapters in here because I really do enjoy this fanfiction. Um, I believe one of the next chapters is actually talking about, you know, my fanfiction and where I am in my writing and what I like about it. Um, you know, and how that's continuing to push me in my hobby of writing. So we will talk about that 
next time if we don't get one of my friends on this show with me. Um, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us. We have a Tumblr and a Twitter. Twitter is at DefandFiction, and the Tumblr is Defending Fan Fiction. Uh, if you liked this chapter, which, <laughs> I don't know, maybe share it with a friend. I'm really sorry about the audio. I thought I had it under control, but I didn't. Anyway, love y'all. Be safe. Bye-bye.